everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris, and uh, this is the news edition of the podcast, which I hope will be a bi-weekly thing uh, now, where I will analyze various news stories that I found over the last few days and talk about them to hopefully keep myself sane and to keep you informed so that we can all make better decisions about our lives, but with the overarching goal of looking for the specific signs uh, mentioned in the Bible that would herald the return of Christ. My current position is that we are not yet in the end times. I put out a podcast recently that you can listen to called Five Reasons I Don't Think We Are in the End Times Yet. Um, I do think that it could all develop very rapidly, the specific signs, but I uh, don't think we're there yet. I, and I may be a little bit more conservative than some uh, in that I don't think, for example, that you can just say, ah, well, there's a pestilence, there's an earthquake, that the birth pains, for example, are just can be taken out of context like that. Uh, I think in both cases, in the birth pains and in things like the pestilence uh, mentioned in another place in the uh, Revelation 6 with the uh, uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, both are preceded by the Antichrist and his wars in, in both of those cases. And the Antichrist's wars, I believe you have to have a 10-nation confederacy for. So there's a progression, I think, that if you follow it all through, and Daniel 11 and the rest of it, that you just can't, you can't just say that we're in the end times. You can say, look, looks like we're going to go into a global system of, of communism with a lot of persecution, and it's going to be bad. Uh, but I think that from listening to a lot of Bible prophecy uh, podcasts lately, I think that they're equating bad with uh, proof that we're in the end times. And I don't want to do that yet, but I do want to keep a sharp eye in case all of that develops. And and I also want to make sure I'm not uh, uh, just discounting the possibility. So that's what we're doing here. We're looking for those things while reading news that not doesn't necessarily apply to the end times, but could uh, lead to it. All right, I think today I want to start off with COVID and uh, vaccine stuff. One of the big stories this week has been vaccine shedding causing miscarriages and blood clots in unvaccinated females. So this is the idea that um, people that have got the vaccine are shedding um, these spike proteins and then causing people around them that haven't got the vaccine to have these uh, these in this case, it says miscarriages and blood clots, but it's also been reported as just odd menstruation things. Um, so this is a lot of stuff going on here, and I, I'm just going to talk through it, I think. So in the last few weeks or a week and a half or so, I've been following uh, through my aggregator search terms like vaccine and menstruation, vaccine and um, placenta and some other things, and been following the news um narrative on the idea and i think i discussed last time that it had kind of gone from oh it's just people that say that now we're talking now about people that have got the vaccine and have reported odd things with their menstruation so that had become has gone from a conspiracy to yes it's happening but it just shows it's working uh and this is an interesting one you can go on like for example reddit and stuff and and type in stuff about that you know vaccine period vaccine menstruation and it's just like it almost seems like there's no dissenters it's all it's like oh yeah yeah that happened oh my gosh thanks for mentioning this this did happen to me it's like this is a very 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 common thing apparently for people that get the vaccine they have and they didn't know that this you know the these oddities with menstruation were they didn't put it together but when somebody had mentioned it it seems to be a very likely thing so this has become a big deal um, and now, again, we're talking about people that have got the vaccine, have reported this. 
And the news stories, as I mentioned, went from it's a conspiracy theory to there's no proof to it may be happening, but it just proves it's working because, I mean, they're all over the board. Of course, they're lying, so they, they're making stuff up. But it's like, you know, uh, it, it, it shocks your system. It gives you all kinds of, you know, stress. And therefore, and the people that are, you know, saying it, it's like, you know, I've had a lot of stress before. It's never done this, you know. Um, so it's happening in regard with regard to people getting the vaccine. This new thing is people reporting that they're around somebody that got the vaccine and they are shedding spike protein. So let's talk about the the positive argument for that. There has been a couple of viral videos with a couple doctors mentioning the mechanisms in which this could happen. So there are there's a good logic behind the idea. That is to say, number one, the idea with uh, mRNA vaccines is that you're injected this uh, this code that basically tells your body to create these spike proteins. The then your then after your body creates these spike proteins, your body is supposed to recognize them and create antibodies, so that uh, when you see a coronavirus that has those spike proteins. Uh, as a part of its mechanism to attach into your cell, that it won't be able to attach to your cell. Of course, it doesn't apparently work because people do get infected. But <laughs> anyway, um, so the argument is, like, how do we know that, that your body ever shuts off making these spike proteins? How much does it make initially? What is the mechanism in which it uh, turns it off? And keep in mind, these are incredibly microscopic things. I mean, they're they're smaller than small. We don't even really know much about viruses because they're so small, right? So it's not like somebody's going to just spot these things in a microscope or whatever. So a lot of it's just become sort of magic woo-woo land in terms of discovering whether or not you're shedding these things or not. But that's not my point. So the point is, number one, there is a question about like, how much does your body produce of these things? Because theoretically it could produce a, a million and never stop. And then the, you just become this factory of them. And the, there's a sort of secondary thing in which the proteins themselves are actually bad, which there is some kind of evidence for like it, as well. Um, and there's so much mystery around viruses in general. We don't even know if the spike proteins are the things that are actually bad with regard to the virus or whatever. So there's that. There is, in addition, let's see, I've got a, and keep in mind, that one we just looked at was from InfoWars. This one is from David Icke. So a lot of this stuff is coming from not exactly what you would say your best news store, uh, sources. Uh, anyway, David Icke points out a, and he does, he links back to, uh, here it is. Pfizer admits its own mRNA document that non-vaccinated can be exposed to the vaccine spike proteins. In this case, he's basically showing a, a, a document from Pfizer and their tests saying to protect in the test pregnant women from people that had been vaccinated because they can, uh, within a certain time frame, because via their skin or inhalation can be, uh, in other words, you want to protect them from the vaccinated. So there's, so, again, if, if, and that's, that's a big question if, if I'm reading that right. It is just a, a line or two in this thing. It could be taken out of context. But again, that's more sort of proof that this is a possibility. The rest of it, though, is kind of these, it's been the idea that, hey, I was around somebody that was vaccinated and they gave me, um, you know, uh, administration. That, that kind of started as a 
TikTok thing I've read, or, you know, a various social media thing where I've watched the people saying it, hey, everybody, you need to know this is happening, whatever, and then it's just an anecdotal thing. My problem is, and I've seen, and I've heard another anecdote on No Agenda, which, you know, seemed logical, but my problem is this. Number one, in following the progression of this news stories, a, a, a really true thing that is happening is that women who are getting this vaccine are having menstruation issues and that is on the verge of exploding as a uh, a story because it's it, it, it's a danger to them i believe that that story is incredibly important if you get a vaccine you're almost i mean i mean based on what i'm seeing uh which i could be completely wrong that is a huge story and they are fighting that really really hard uh, on the other end, they are just trying to fight that so much. They're saying, "Get it if you're if you're pregnant, super get it. Your baby's going to be Superman if you get it." And you know, it, 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 it's just so much money is being spent on telling pregnant women and women in general to get this, and how this is not going to affect their whatever. And then, and then we have this thing. And now, as soon as this thing happened, this explosion of fact check stuff happened, like. Is shedding a thing? Absolutely not. You know, these new crazy people are saying this. And look, I get it. It could be that, that they're so afraid of this that they want to like really go hard on the other direction. But what it's doing is completely overshadowing the real thing that we needed to sort of like rally around and be like, this is the thing. You know, this is it. We, you know, the, the vaccines are causing the menstruation thing and virtually everybody. Let's investigate why that's happening because it's not stress. Uh, it's something different. Um, so that would, I believe this vaccine shedding thing is causing uh, that to happen. And here's my other big problem with it. I, again, I'm not, I'm going to get two, two couple points on this. The first is that it's so, so, so nebulous to try to figure out if this is true or not. I can't think of a mechanism in which you could like prove this. Uh, there's never, I mean, you know, the one thing in the no agenda thing, and I couldn't quite understand his story. He was saying his wife went into this clinic and they said they had this new policy in which uh, you, you have to be vaccinated, but also wait two weeks because a woman came in and then everybody got, or, you know, there was a couple people in the office then had menstruation problems after that. And I guess they hadn't been vaccinated. And I couldn't tell in that story. It, it, the cr crucial part of that story is, did the woman come in and say, look, I am having these incredible menstruation problems. And they're like, okay, you know, jot that down. And then she leaves and now everybody else has it. Because if that was the circumstance, then maybe. But if it's like she came in and she got vaccinated and, low and, and she didn't say anything about having that problem or we don't know anything about her situation in terms of menstruation, but now these two women also got it and they just blamed it on the person that had vaccines. Because that is the progression that is like to happen and what I'm getting from the TikTok thing is no facts, no nothing, just this the, these people saying this thing that that there's no way to check it. Um, so I'm skeptical of that because and, and if it is true, we're going to have a heck of a time trying to prove to anybody that it is true. Now there are ways to do it. I could see a study, you know, being developed by it, but um, that's not likely to happen. But what is likely to happen is the lid being blown off the thing if the women are having the menstruation as a result of getting the vaccine. That's the problem, in my opinion. So the other thing is, and I'm, I'm leaving the door open for this being a thing because I get it. I get that the mechanisms make sense. We don't know if the spike protein things will get shut off. It seems likely in other things that other vaccines have been able to essentially been passed to people that uh, uh, for, for, for other reasons and stuff like that. So it's certainly a possibility um, mechanically and if it is the case, um, 
I guess the meme of I guess I'll die is is what you got to think. I mean, what is the alternative? Um, it's basically we're all, <laughs> you know, just uh, we're all kind of, you know, it's bad news if that's true. And there's very little you can do except isolate and you become the person in the in the hazmat suit or whatever. And that's just no way to, to live. I will say. That this is something that brings me to a thing. I didn't mean to spend this much time on this thing, but um, to quinine. So I mentioned in the podcast where I was talking about, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine and artaminazin and those things I was uh, talking about a few weeks ago. So quinine is the thing that uh, hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine were ultimately based on. It's a tree bark of the chinquawera tea or, or chinqu some kind of bark that I can't pronounce. It's in South America or whatever. Um, so anyway... I was thinking about this because if spike proteins, if they are the enemy both now and in the future, maybe some mutation or whatever, the spike proteins are a danger to us because of their ability to attach to the ACE2 receptors on a cell. So the cell has these sort of mechanisms that you can attach to it. These spike proteins and coronavirus supposedly attack, uh, attaches to those ACE2 receptors. And that, causes, and that was actually one of the reasons that early on people rec recognized or recommended hydroxychloroquine because it was already known to be a, an ACE2 receptor binder. And I think the mechanism is that hydroxychloroquine binds to ACE2 receptors, thereby a, a, being a, a preventative and also somewhat of a, 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 a treatment or a cure for it. I think that I'm trying to find the word that they used in this paper I read. Um, anyway, the point is hydroxychloroquine would be a good thing to have around, but of course, because of, because it is the, and I believe the, the, the nail in the, uh, the, the spike in the heart of the new world order in this particular, um, uh, event, that is to say, uh, scaring the world with coronavirus, they had to make it go away. And they did that by, and I'm not going to go into it too much this time, but the World Health Organization and the Oxford studies in which they gave people lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine in order to prove that it was, quote, unsafe. So after doing that, they kind of got it out of the way. So it's not likely that we're going to get a lot of hydroxychloroquine on our hands unless we get to the black market or know a doctor that's going to risk his uh, a license to do something, which obviously is a clown world thing to be in. So what can you do? Here's an interesting thing. Quinine, this bark that you can buy on eBay or Amazon or whatever as, a, as tea, you can also buy it in capsule form. Quinine is something you can get your hands on. And here's an interesting paper. Well, uh, I don't know if I saved it. I, I'm going to put this in the newsletter. And by the way, I'm going to try to send out a newsletter with all the links. I'm not going to post these links on the website for various reasons, but I do think I'll every week I'll send out, I'm doing two podcasts a week, but once a week I'll send out a newsletter with all the links of all the things that I'm, the stories that I'm going to get to. And I'll include this in that, which I will send out tomorrow, Sunday, um, a study about ACE2 receptors. And they, they tested uh, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and quinine. Um, and by the way, chloroquine is basically the older version of hydroxychloroquine. It's a little less safe than hydroxychloroquine is. And then quinine is the tree bark. And in this um, study, they found that quinine was actually better than all three at, at uh, the ACE2 receptor thing. So that is a, uh, a you know a study done in a, you know published in a journal or whatever. So uh, you know it, same thing with artemisinin. It's a serious, seriously powerful herb. You know, it's a, it, it, and you don't need to be, it, 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 I mean, it can be fatal at high doses, right? I mean, if you're just crazy and just, you know, drink a gallon of this stuff or whatever, uh, I don't know what the numbers are. So please, I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending anything. This is just for entertainment purposes only. But the point is, 
Um, I'll put it, I'll put some other recommendations in terms of thing. I think it's like, you know, five grams of the bark or something like a one gram. I don't know. I don't want to talk about grams of, of this stuff, but the point is you can get your hands on it. It is not unlike artaminazine, something that you can grow. And I don't think, and again, you could look into this yourself. I don't think artaminazine and ivermectin and others, I don't think their method of action has to do with ACE2 receptors. I only mention this is that if the spike protein itself is ultimately the enemy of the world in the future, then quinine is going to be the thing that you're going to want a lot of on your hands. All right. Moving on to the India thing, another conundrum, which I don't quite understand what's happening. So the bottom line here is that India is this, um, you know, supposedly this hot spot of COVID and the death rates are just uh, spiking and all these other things. And I I'm confused about it. There are a number of things going on. So first of all, I, I should say that in terms of the death rate, about a month ago, if you looked up the term death rate in India or death per 100,000 or any of these kind of metrics about how they were doing in terms of, of deaths, they were in the news for just this incredible success story. I mean, India was basically one of the best in the world at deaths. And to this day, you can go on like John Hopkins University and look up the, the death rate in India, and it's still just very, very low, like per 100,000 or whatever. It is, though, and I did a meme about that and put it on uh, Twitter yesterday, but I ended up taking it down because it, what I found what was happening, though, is that you can go to like Worldometer or whatever and look at the daily death numbers in India, and they are spiking pretty high. Okay. Now that could be because they are, you know, in the Alex Jones sort of uh, methodology, they're spiking high because of the lockdowns and the starvation in which, you know, or, or any number of things or whatever, because, and then any additional sort of sickness or whatever is causing that. But whatever the case, according to that, the daily numbers are spiking. The reason that the aggregate numbers are low is because they did so amazing with it in the first part of COVID. And the mainstream uh, media sort of take on this is that, you know, they got careless. They started going to concerts and wearing masks and Modi was having rallies. And then this happened. I don't buy that for a second, right? That, that, that all of a sudden they went from like just wearing masks so good and everybody was social distancing and they had the best, best death rate in the world. And then all of a sudden these daily death rate spikes through and it was just because they didn't wear masks good enough. Complete nonsense. Um, but something is happening, uh, whether they're attributed, people are apparently dying more or their deaths are being attributed to COVID more. And listening to the people in India, their tone seems to be something that it really is a thing that's happening. I don't want to say it's fake by any stretch. And as I mentioned in the previous thing, I think that we uh, as conservatives need to be ready to pivot at any moment with our line about coronavirus because it could be that they release a real thing uh, or something really does mutate and gets out of hand, or which we're playing with fire with this whole thing. Uh, it could be something the vaccines do. We don't know anything, and that's one of the problems here. So it could all turn on a dime, and we're really dealing with a serious situation after this. But anyway, so uh, again, on no agenda, they pointed out they had a boots-on-the-ground report in which um, somebody from a, uh, that knew something about the protectionist system in India in which a company that wants to do business in India needs to essentially go through these designated families per industry. So if you want to go into the whatever corn business, you need to talk to this family or what have you. And what typically happens is that that company will 
go into India and says, you want to do business with this? Okay, well, show us, give us the, uh, show us the, how to make the drug and then we'll make it with our, you know, cause that's what India does. I mean, they make, they make pharmaceuticals and they're just a pharmaceutical company with all, I mean, country with all kinds of factories or whatever. And one of the things that they do is you give them the recipe, then they make it. But Pfizer, uh, at the beginning of all this, and they're in this, uh, story of no agenda have attributed this, this business problem to the moment that this spike happens. In other words, Pfizer goes in and says, Hey, India, uh, why don't you buy our vaccine? India was like, sure, sure. Why don't you just, you know, give us the the recipe? We'll make it ourselves. And Pfizer was like, no, that's not going to happen. You need to buy it from us. And that's just not how things go in India. So apparently, this is according to this theory, like a squeeze of some sort, whatever. I don't know. They released some new thing or whatever. Something changed after that moment. And I got to say, there's something to that. I've got some, you know, you've got these stories all over the place. Uh, Hope, uh, uh, the Pfizer CEO to allow India to develop its vaccines. Uh, this, uh, she's saying that telling Pfizer to allow India to develop its vaccines. There's all these arguments online about why Pfizer isn't doing this. Why won't they just give them the, re- the recipe? And Bill Gates is coming out and saying, that's exactly wrong. We should not do that. And it's weird because, and their argument is, that why we won't give you this recipe is that uh, you won't do it right. You won't have good, um, you know, you don't know how to do it. It's a different thing. You can't figure it out. Your quality control isn't going to be good. All these basically sort of patronizing things. And India's like, uh, yeah, we kind of do this all day long, every day. What are you saying? We can't quality control our, our stuff. I mean, why don't you just, you know, choose one that has the technology that you trust with quality control or whatever. Just, you know, this is not a a good argument since they've been doing it forever in other things. So this is a thing, whatever it is, this business problem is a thing, whether or not, you know, there's a conspiracy behind that. If they, this is a squeeze of some sort. I think the end of the day, we won't really know whether or not this India thing is a true thing unless it spreads from India. (laughs) I mean, unless, unless everybody starts getting this and this second wave, isn't just a thing that happens in India. But really, we can get it into a place that's not third world, that doesn't have this, the same problems that a lockdown would cause, which is, as I mentioned in the last podcast, literal starvation happens when you lock down India and Africa, and people literally die in the streets. People are doing that in not even the most third world African countries are dying in the streets, literally children dying in the streets because of starvation, because of the lockdowns in third world countries. That's just how it happens there. So so let's get this, let's see if this is a thing. Uh, but right now, we, that's the problem. We can't see anything. Nothing is true because Pfizer is acting as if it is this country that is literally running around taking over the world. So we don't know. Uh, I will say this. The idea that they won't give them the recipe is suspicious to me. And, uh, you know, it may be that it's just so complex that only Pfizer can figure it out. But it also could be one of the things that a lot of people have been saying about the vaccines is like, you say that this little, uh, this little coding mechanism is telling it to create spike proteins, but nobody knows. How can anybody check that? You can't just look that under, up in a microscope. The only people that know is behind you know, Pfizer and Moderna, what, what they actually did and what they're actually telling it to do. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what could be happening here? I, I, don't, I don't feel good about it, but then again, I don't feel good about a lot of this stuff. All right, just a couple of things to hit here. Um, million, uh, seeing through the COVID-19 spin. This is just an interesting article from the National Vaccine Information Center, which was just so thorough 
about all the details. I won't read through it. I'm mostly just putting it here because I will put this into the newsletter uh, at BibleProphecyTalk.com where you can sign up. Uh, millions of people are skipping out on the second dose of vaccine. Just put this one here because uh, a lot of, of news stories out there about people not getting the second dose in this case, but a lot of stuff about like, hey, we're adjusting our supplies because people aren't getting it as much. You know, we're really kind of hitting this end of like they got as many people vaccinated as that are going to get it are probably already gotten it. And it's really slowing down is the kind of idea that I'm getting from the way that they're doing a lot of this. This ivermectin battle in, in the Philippines is still just raging. I hope I hope this happens, but man, I mean, if you look up ivermectin right now, it's all the Philippines. The Philippines is trying to, and they're just getting attacked on every side. And it's real hard, hard to attack them because, you know, people basically have to lie. Ivermectin is unsafe and you shouldn't do it. But basically it's like, no, that's not true. And so there's no good reason to, to attack ivermectin. And yet, and Manila is trying to make a stand or, or in the Philippines, it's trying to make a stand on it. So it's something to watch. Um, Moving on here, uh, let's see, backdoor to a mandate protesters, Republican lawmakers oppose COVID-19 vaccine passports. So I like the COVID, uh, the vaccine passport uh, stuff is happening. I think it's a good rallying thing. I think, you know, the libertarian argument has been really good on that. Uh, it's one of the things I think that uh, Dave Smith on Joe Rogan, one of the underreported aspects of that is his uh, speech on vaccine passports which is really strong. He's really strong on it. But, uh, you know, look, uh, I was going to say that it's kind of a losing battle. I mean, this machine is, is going there so quickly. It wants to get there so badly. But then you have things like Florida, in which they literally outlawed it, a bold move, uh, going to find schools that, that do, do uh, uh, you know, say that they need some kind of proof of vaccination, which is kind of great. You know, it's one of the reasons it's kind of the last defense of tyranny is the state system. Uh, in America. So it's going to be, an in, it's, that's one of the reasons that it's just so hard to conquer America is because we could eventually just fall back to the states. And as long as we, and that's why it's so important to make sure that your governors and elections and, and, and sheriffs and all that stuff are, are as uh, good as you can vote them in to be. Uh, let's see. I think we're moving on now to vaccine damage, which is a subtitle of basically anything that I found uh, that jumps out at me about people dying or getting uh, different types of adverse effects and these kind of things. So a lot of these are just things I'm just going to read the headlines for. Um, uh, let's see more about menstruation. I think that's one I actually read last week. Uh, two concerns about possible new concerns about possible side effects from COVID-19 vaccine. Well, that's ambiguous. I think this one was about uh, a heart attack in the middle of the night. I woke up and my arm felt like it was on fire. Uh, I thought I had a heart attack. I was scared for my life at the time. I did something I never thought I would do. I called, I, I had my wife call an ambulance. Since then, he's been to the hospital twice. Um, basically, he goes to his chiropractor. The chiropractor said he's seen 10, 12 to 20 other patients with similar issues. However, not all of his patients had Pfizer. Some were given Moderna. I've had several diagnosed with some sort of stroke or other cardiac problems. I've had multiple, uh, had multiple who've had uh, dehydration issues, several with Bell's palsy who have developed several weeks after post-vaccine. So this is just one local chiropractor that's seen all that. I'm, I'm assuming, again, this is, I mean, this is serious business, uh, but they're, 
Let me continue to read before I uh, wax poetic on it. Quebecer dies from blood clot after getting COVID-19 vaccine. This one I just put here because it's so ridiculous. Canada, what's up with you guys? Literally, you had one person in all of Canada die from uh, a blood clot. You are just so, uh, and I'm going to read it later in the uh, section about uh, uh, censorship. They are just cracking down on information so badly in, in, uh, in Canada. The idea that one person has died from a blood clot in Canada is just insanely ridiculous. Um, okay, 18-year-old undergoes three brain surgeries from blood clots after Johnson & Johnson vaccine. COVID-19 injecting people becoming a threat to public health and safety. Okay, COVID-19 injected people becoming a threat to public health and safety. So this is, the man has a seizure and crashes vehicle coming back from a COVID uh, injection. The Paso Robles Daily News reports California Highway, Highway Patrol has responded with a statement regarding the accident that has occurred on Highway 101. Da, 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 da. Uh, man, so anyway, basically, yeah, these people are having strokes, having uh, anaphylactic shock. They're calling them vaccidents. And this is just the most insane thing. I've talked about it in previous uh, episodes that they know that anaphylactic shock right after you get the vaccine is like going to happen in a certain percentage of people that are allergic to the propylene glycol or whatever it is that uh, that's encasing the the messenger rna and that's just going to happen they know that the idea that they would let people drive a car to a and then drive away is just criminal neglect in my opinion it, it, just, it just means that you are putting somebody behind the wheel that's going to have problems anyway um so yes it's a thing and I, I think this is another anecdote where somebody was saying that it's so common to see them in these sort of like drive-through things people having to have immediate uh, uh, uh medical attention and stuff like that like in their cars because of all this stuff so if anyway moving on the two new south wales men die after receiving the covid19 vaccination as tga begins review two men have died after receiving uh, vaccination in New South Wales. Uh, family member said the man died of a massive blood clot. Uh, one of the men's next of kin said he was otherwise health healthy. Um, anyway, this is a thing where, you know, these stories are the ones that have somehow made it to the top through any number of circumstances, right? The, these, uh, I'm going to read a couple more. Uh, Tamworth Death Therapeutic Goods Administration aware of a case of a 55-year-old man who died in Tamworth Hospital eight days after COVID vaccination, which is a little longer. Baldwin Hills star, 30-year-old Ashley Taylor Guerin, dead after getting the COVID injection. Orange County woman's death after second dose of Moderna COVID-19 uh, vaccine spurs concern from family. Quote, it was so violent. This is another story. It, it was so violent, so quickly, OOB man hospitalized hours after getting the COVID-19 injection. These are all reputable news. Uh, uh, Fox 23 Maine, KABC TV, etc. Um, so what I want to say here is that, uh, well, let me read this too. Significant jump this week in reported injuries, deaths after COVID vaccine. This is from Children's Health Defense, so a pro or anti-vax website, but here, what they're doing is just going through the VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, a government database in which individuals and some doctors, the very few that feel bold enough to report adverse reactions, um, are reporting things that have happened. And so data, this is what they say, data released today 
uh, by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, on the number of injuries and deaths reported to the vaccine adverse event reporting system following COVID vaccines showed a significant jump in reports of injuries and deaths compared to last week's numbers. Uh, let's see here if I can get some pull quotes here. Of the 3,544 deaths reported as of April 23rd, 25% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination. 17%, these are deaths, by the way, occurred within 24 hours, and 40% occurred in the people who, and who became ill within 48 hours of being vaccinated. The week's data included three reports of deaths among teens under the age of 18, including two 15-year-olds and one 16-year-old who died unexpectedly from a blood clot 11 days after receiving her first Pfizer dose. Uh, 21% of the deaths were related to cardiac disorders. Uh, as of April 23rd, 598 pregnant women reported adverse events related to COVID vaccines, including 170 miscarriages or premature birth. Um, of the 1,099 cases of Bell's, uh, uh, cases of Bell's palsy reported, 51% of cases were reported after Pfizer, 39 after Moderna, and 131. Uh, or 12% of Bell palsy was reported in conjunction with J&J. So just, I could go on. There's a lot of this kind of stuff. And this is widely considered to be maybe 1% of the people that are reporting this stuff. There's no incentive for people to report it. Their doctors don't want to hear it and all this other stuff. So this brings me to wax poetically about these kind of things. You're not hearing about this. I had to, I had to really, really search to find these. I, I saw on Twitter, I don't know if it's uh, still up there, a woman who you know, pro-vax as could be, but she had two strokes uh, after getting, I think it was, uh, I think she got Moderna, had two strokes, or went to her doctor, you know, said, I think I've had a stroke, and the doctor's like, you haven't had a stroke, you're too young, and then they got the, uh, you know, the information back, and was like, okay, you did have two strokes, and it, it was immediately following the vaccine, she started feeling crazy afterwards, and couldn't talk, and all of the stuff that we've heard other people have too anecdotally, and that's just the frustrating thing, is that it is we have to rely so much on these anecdotal things. It won't be long. So here's the thing. We've got these two competing things happening. We've got censorship and money, just wave tsunami of censorship and money taking over and eating everybody and everything on the internet that says anything bad about vaccines. And on the other end, we have this beginning of awakening and wave and obvious effects and people starting to really figure it out and people in the one areas that we do have access to talking to one another and comparing notes happening at the same time. The question is, what are they going to do when they hit? You know, what's gonna, who's going to win this, this thing? Um, and the nature of the problem is bigger than I, I had thought previously. So here's the thing, the money. I've said before, you gotta really understand how much money this is. I've got a, uh, a thing here, it says 157 billion through uh, 2025, I think is the number, something like that. I don't can't exactly find it right now. 157 billion through 2025 report says uh, for vaccine money. That's crazy money and I don't even think that's even the half of it because we've got so much government funding government funding the propaganda government putting billions of dollars into propaganda that Pfizer is already putting money into but and the nature of the kinds of propaganda they're putting this into is stuff that is illegal in some countries you know being able to fund news agencies is basically a crime against humanity uh, and only us in New, uh, America and New Zealand do it uh, 
the problem is, okay, think of it like all this money that got injected into the stock market, all this printing, this this buying spree that that we've gone on uh, with the country and the whole world is basically like knows this is kind of coming to a financial close. Something is going to take over this new thing. So they're just spending all this money. So think about it like if you were a billionaire. Think about it if you're Bill Gates or something. It doesn't matter that eventually the currency will be devalued. In this last year, the, their stock price went up to such ridiculous nonsense amounts um, that they can cash that out for real assets. You know, That's what Bill Gates was doing when he bought all this farmland. He just transferred... Because right now that money is still, if you will, real money. I mean, the world doesn't yet know that that it's just worthless dollars, but it will soon. But right now, you can buy real stuff with those worthless dollars, and that's what they're doing. They're taking that out. They're buying the real assets. They're buying the real assets. And one of the things they're spending all this new money. I, 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 get your head around how much new money is out there with the injection of multiple trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into the stock market and to government funds that make no sense that are just lining pockets of people making people billionaires overnight because they're just a part of the plan and what are they doing in exchange for the making them unbelievably uh wealthy they're spreading it around because they they got nowhere to, else to put the money it's so hard to find places to put that much money and they're putting it into all these uh you know the places that are by like I mentioned before, how easy it is to control. If if you were going to take over the world via a medical thing, then it would just be so easy to do because all you do, every country has this sort of bottleneck of their their version of the CDC, where all you got to do is control that. And how easy is that? That they, they don't make that much money. You just you just throw gobs and gobs and gobs of money at that one little building. And you have effectively taken over the world as long as the mechanism to take over the world is health related by controlling what is that 300 200 something however many countries there are you just gotta and, and it gets cheaper and cheaper as you get to the you know the uh, third world countries i mean how much is it going to cost to buy you guys it's like well i'll do it for a million dollars you will do anything that you want for a million okay there you go it costs a little bit more i'm sure in the western countries but it's just it's that easy it's money it's just and as long as the world continues as long as there will be evil people on the world that will do things for money, uh, it's going to be a really, really hard thing to turn this around, no matter how much truth is there. Because if they have that much power and they controls the le leverage of the state, basically my point is, I think, that you, you need to understand what this is likely to happen, which is that it's likely that they're going to end up taking it over because of the money, unless God does something. Now, that's a theological conundrum that I've been wrestling with. I do think, and I can, and I think that everybody should continue to pray for, and this is one of my con most consistent prayers, is that God would do something at the very least to let people see the truth, that the people that want out can get out because they have this undeniable thing, this wrench in the gears of Satan's plan. Everybody thinks, you know, that's worshiping Satan and following Satan, and they think he's so smart because he seems to be able to see around corners and know all the things, and his plan is so brilliant, and they don't even have to understand it. They just have to follow it because he's so, you know, smart or whatever. But but show them how, how, how easily he can be tripped up by God just just barely lifting a finger can, can throw a wrench in this whole gears, and they can get exposed. And But the theological problem is, is that the will of God, you know? And of course we don't know, but what we can do is pray. I can, I can certainly see the will of God being um, 
the negative stuff. I mean, we have it in the West where it's almost anathema to even say that suffering could be in the will of God. Of course, it's a very New, Te- New Testament concept. I think that if, if we can, cons- it's a matter of priorities. If your priority was the best and greatest thing is that I could be as good of a follower of Jesus Christ as possible, then you would look at it as a negative of having everything that you want and being able to write a check for anything and basically being a traditional person in the West. Even the best Christians in the West, I think, are mostly powerless because they don't really need God. It's the people in the prison camps. It's the people in the places that are that are having the most experiencing the best that you can experience in the Christian life. And that's just the Bible. I mean, and so it is a blessing if we go into a situation in which we are suffering to a great extent because we will need God, we will see God, we will live and experience God in a way that is biblically uh, sound and better. I'm not saying that, that we aren't saved or whatever. It's just that we are not what we could be. And so these things can be in the will of God to to bring us into bring us low. It certainly is you know, what Israel needed in, in many cases and all this other stuff. But at the same time, um, God hates this evil as much as you and I do. And, um, and I, that's why I pray that, that way, that he would just just put something to rally around. So because it's, here's the problem. It's too big for me and you. It's too smart. There's no, there's not anything we could really do to affect it and it's frustrating to see it all happening and to feel so powerless and it drives us a little bit crazy and uh, because it's just and I think in a way that should free us to understand that it is out of our hands to do something and but prayer is not uh, out of our hands and that God can do amazing things so anyway uh, if you want to give a quick uh, second to pause this and pray that God would just put a thing out there, uh, raise up a, a whistleblower, or raise up raise up something that can to change things and show people that this is all uh, whatever it is. Expose them in some grand way that gives us a, a a chance to to you know to to not be completely deceived by this. All right, finishing up with general health stuff, moving into what I am calling the food world order section, which is not COVID stuff, but also this kind of health-related stuff. Recent U.S. government-funded studies link fluoride exposure to IQ loss. A couple different things about this. Some studies have come out recently showing for sure that giving that uh, that fluoride water, which I've, I mean, they've known this forever. I mean, they've known this for a long time that it reduces IQ, especially in children, which made it basically this genocidal awful thing to put those little bottles of fluoridated infant water in stores. But now it's just it's just obvious. Um, the studies have come out have conclusively uh, pointed to lowered IQ in children that uh, have fluoride exposure in that water. Um, okay, so uh, China cornered the market on antibiotics, so the U.S. must rebuild its manufacturing capacity. So this was at the beginning of the pandemic, this was a big story about uh, antibiotics in China and this kind of thing. The reason that I wanted to put this out there, and I'll try to remember to put this in the show notes, um, is that, so antibiotics, I did this thing recently where you can, you can buy antibiotics, uh, fish antibiotics. You can buy them over the counter. It's the same stuff. It's in the same capsule form. It's just, and there's different kinds you can buy. You can buy uh, this kind, that kind, or whatever. And it's just, you can buy them from Walmart, and you can buy a lot of them. 
and that's all, always been a concern of mine in terms of prepping is that you know antibiotics not being able to get them uh, when you need them so i want to point that out to you and then i also want to point out a couple things that were interesting to me that for example the u.s military did a study on um the shelf life of antibiotics and because they have these huge stores of antibiotics and they want to know which which ones they could use and there's a youtube video about that from i think canadian prepper uh, in which he goes through all the details of which antibiotics can be stored for like a long time. And basically what that means is they can be stored. They're generally speaking they're it, The only thing is that their effectiveness goes down over, you know, 15 years. So they were, they were seeing how effective they are and they only accepted effectiveness that was still like 90% effective. So some of these antibiotics you can buy, as long as you're storing them and correctly can be on the shelf for, you know, 10, 15 years. But there are, there's one antibiotic and I think it is, uh, I don't want to say it wrong. There's one antibiotic that he goes through there that you don't want to store past its expiration date because uh, it can actually be bad for you, toxic uh, and, and, and whatever, if it's expired. But most of them just lose their effectiveness. So I just wanted to mainly use this as an opportunity to talk about fish antibiotics are available and they can be stored for a long time, according to the U.S. military, uh, this U.S. military study. And uh, so check that out. I know Keflax is the one that I have, the, the fish version of it. Uh, I also have a Doxys. No, I don't have Doxycycline. I'm pretty sure that Doxycycline is the one that is toxic if you uh, have it for a long time. But maybe it's amoxicillin that I have as well. Anyway, don't take my word for that. Check it out for yourself. I'll put it in the notes on the in the newsletter. Thousands of genetically modified mosquitoes being released in Florida. What could possibly go right with this? I mean, what... <laughs> what nonsense is this? Now, I know this has been something, uh, I think Bill and Melinda Gates or whatever, they looked into this for, um, the idea would be for to vaccinate people or whatever. But in this case, the idea, I think, is to get rid of some other mosquito. And maybe if I knew the details of this, I wouldn't think it was so crazy. But it's just like, gosh, I mean, just knowing how bad things have gone in the past when we release certain animals into ecosystems and the unintended consequences that result of that releasing thousands of genetically modified mosquitoes in Florida seems to be just reckless. And I can't imagine who would think that was a good idea anyway. So just wanted to say that that is a probably a bad idea. Um, this is another article about Artemisia, how Artemisia supplements mitigate COVID-19 severity. So just more studies that show, in addition to um, all this other stuff, both water, the Artemisia annua, we're using this study in addition to 500 milligrams of pure artemisinin and dried form, 50 milliliters of COVID organics were dissolved in dimethyl. Anyway, just, just I'll put this in the show notes, just another thing. I think that they use this, including several vitamins and zinc. Anyway, so Artemisia is showing effectiveness against COVID-19. I think that you should be careful. I know that I'm mentioning Artemisia and, uh, and uh, uh, quinine. I know in terms of cancer studies, you didn't want to mix the two because they would cancel each other out. Their, their effectiveness is um, the reason their method of action or whatever is different. And I think that at least in cancer, they would they'd cancel themselves out. So just look, unfortunately, we live in a world where... Um, you know, we need to really go to your local chiropractor and kind of things and to ask them about this stuff and to show them the papers. And really, you need to be your own uh, researcher, a lot of this stuff. So 
I wish that I could just say go to your local doctor, but we all know where that's going uh, and not a good place. Okay, moving on to economics. And before we get there, I do want to thank some donators. Uh, Dan and Kyle, thank you for your generous donations. Uh, it was very encouraging to see, and it really did encourage me, uh, Kyle, to keep on uh, doing this format. So thank you very much, guys. Also, two uh, subscription donations came in from John Q and Stephen J. These are uh, on the BibleProphecyTalk.com website. Donate button. There is a PayPal option where you can make a reoccurring donation. So thank you to John and Stephen, whose uh, donations came in this week. Also, I wanted to say you could donate uh, by a number of other ways. Number one is praying for me. Number two is reviewing this podcast. I'm, I'm really trying to, for the first time probably ever, um, put time and, and energy into this podcast. And really, reviews on iTunes make a big difference. If you have your phone, you can just simply do a search. I know you're already subscribed to the podcast, but you can do a search for Bible Prophecy Talk as if you're looking for a new podcast. And it's in that way that you can click on Bible Prophecy Talk and then write a review. Um, so if you want to stop the show and do that, I would be really appreciative. Uh also, you can donate by regular means, um, all kinds of different ways, BibleProphecyTalk.com. Donate also ChrisWhite.Crypto if you want to put that in your uh, many of the crypto wallets. ChrisWhite.Crypto should allow you to donate um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a few other coins as well. All right, we're going to hit some economics. We're going to get censorship, some Christian news, theology, some Bible prophecy stuff, some aliens are coming up. And then uh, just a little bit in terms of world news and geopolitics. Not a huge amount going on there, but some interesting stuff nevertheless. All right, just a couple things. Um, this one is from a, here, this is Zero Hedge. It says, it's about to get much worse. Supply chains implode as price doesn't even matter anymore. This is very specific uh, to uh, shipping freight in the Pacific Ocean. So I don't even quite understand exactly what's going on here, to be quite honest with you. But there is a lot of stuff going on with the trade deficit, empty shipping containers, because everybody's shipping their stuff to America because we're basically got all this free money that we are spending on goods and the ideas that maybe we're restocking the shelf. So every, all this stuff is coming into America and we're shipping nothing out, which is going to cause a bunch of problems uh, in the future. But the point here in this article was that this is the, uh, the the pull quote here. Buckle up. The month of May will be the worst people have ever seen, he predicted, because some shippers will have to wait in line behind the growing backlog in Asia. He expects what's going to happen is, uh, soon is that some importers won't even be able to get on the boat. For them, it will almost feel like trade is coming to a halt. So, um, look, there are shortages popping up. I got a, a, a alert for shortages, and it's just every day something crazy and new and I don't know the mechanisms, but I don't believe what they're saying in the, for the most part about why the shortages are happening. I expect at some point in the future, people are going to recognize that they're going to stop shipping us all this stuff in exchange for devalued dollars because that's all we're offering. We, we are not... We are the mirror image, uh, according to uh, something that Peter Schiff always says, we're the mirror image of the reason that the dollar was the reserve currency when it started was because we had the most gold of anybody in the world and the dollar was pegged to gold. Uh, we had the we were the biggest creditor nation. We were producing the most stuff. Everybody wanted our stuff. It was cheap. It was high quality. And now we're the mirror image of it. We produce nothing. And we, the only things that we do produce are service-based economies, uh, big tech, which has very few employees and produces nothing. And then also, um, you know, basically we don't ship out anything. 
but we only export dollars. And once the world kind of wises up to the fact that, hey, the, you know, other countries want all the stuff that's get, getting shipped to us too. Um, again, we'll see. Because right now, we're the best of a bad lot of currencies too. So who knows? I certainly don't. Next, crop prices soared eight-year high, renewing food inflation uh, fears. This is from Yahoo Finance. This is just one of the many of these kind of stories that are showing that inflation is a real thing and that people are starting to wake up to it. It is now becoming pretty much obvious where it wasn't before. I expect the markets to actually be reacting to this shortly. But there is an argument to say that it won't necessarily affect the stock market and some other things. It could be a whole... Nobody really knows what it's going to do. If they did, then then they would just make all kinds of money. But it's still a casino in the uh, stock market. Uh, okay, one more for economics. The Fed inflation blind spot already surging grocery and housing prices. This is from Barron's. And again, just talking about soybeans and wheat prices here. A lot of stuff with the grains has been going to China be, to feed their livestock. China has already been stocking up on food. So, you know, we're seeing this. I, I do encourage people. I think I think buying uh, and storing food in Mylar bags, rice, getting those 25-pound bags of rice from Costco, it's just a good investment as long as you can buy stuff that you know you're going to be able to eat within the timetable there. You know, meat, canned meat, these kinds of things that last five years. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good bet. You know, if you were looking at it in terms of a pure financial investment, uh, you are probably going to win out in terms of you're going to beat inflation with that uh, with that uh, purchase. All right, moving on to censorship. Trudeau's internet censor censorship bill must be stopped, according to the Toronto Sun article here. Now, this is just, I want to point out like how this is, I hope this doesn't spread, but you know it will, you know. Um, so this is pretty crazy. Uh, the government believes that it should regulate all user-generated content, leaving it to the regulator to determine on what terms and conditions will be attached. The videos of millions of Canadians on sites like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and hundreds of other services. He called uh, Trudeau's liberals the most anti-internet government in Canadian history, a group hell-bent on erecting what he calls the Great Canadian Internet Firewall. The government wants to be able to block websites it determines Canadians should not see, remove content posted in Canada without any independent review, and to regulate your video postings using the CRTC. So it is basically going to be China. And, um, I mean, you can't... Look, I think that you got to protest this stuff, but it's... It just I, maybe I'm too fatalistic, but this just seems like this is coming. I've already, you know, assumed that this show, for example, and shows like it, you know, you guys out there doing podcasts like this and, and other blogs and things that you're doing and content creators and pastors. I've got a story uh, here about pastor in the UK getting arrested for saying that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, it's censorship is is a, a necessary component of communism. It is the most important component of communism. Communism has never been able to withstand debate. Have you, have you ever known a liberal to like want to debate somebody? No, they don't want to debate. They want to censor. And so censorship is the future. And I am absolutely floored about how easy it was to control the internet. I have been, uh, with the help of some other people, trying to figure out, you know, to a minor degree on my part, what, what, what can be done about it. And it's just as, as wide open, as wild west as we thought the internet was, it is so not. 
it is so easy to be controlled. There's very few options that we have. And they are going to make it illegal. The Whether it's hate speech, which I think is probably the most likely thing that they're going to make the kind of stuff that we're saying illegal, or this new COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act, you know, talking anything bad about vaccines, or, you know, it'll be under the guise of health and safety and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you don't believe it necessarily until it happens, but yeah, somebody's going to knock on your door, and I, I'm sort of pricing into this something extra bad happening, you know, something, some false flag or real event that happens that all of a sudden makes it very, very important to make sure all the people aren't hurting a vaccine hesitancy or, uh, or uh, hate speech or whatever. If you, you know, we, we know how it's going to go. So when that happens, when the additional thing happens, it'll be overnight, really, that this stuff will be illegal. I'm, I'm basically assuming that I'm a, a dead man, that I'm going to be one of the first people to the camps. Um, and that's something I think we need to really, really understand if you're doing this stuff. Um, that that is, that's the logical outcome. There, you know, the other outcome is that this gets delayed, but this this force is is pushing for this thing, and it's just gonna, you know, it's either in our generation or some other generation that this is this is going down. And when it does, it's not going to be a two party system. Okay, moving on. Uh, God moves powerfully among Liberia's unreached. I liked this because it was just talking about, and I have a couple different things I want to say about this. Uh, I've got this pull quote here. Liberia apparently is a very dangerous place. I don't know anything about it. But uh, this guy's talking about, everybody said they couldn't go to these certain villages and stuff because it was just too demonically whatever. And anyway, I'll just read another unreached village was probably the most powerful stronghold of Satan in Liberia. Williams recalls from the partner's latest update. He said, I was going from house to house. Three men came up and stayed behind me like shadows all the time I was there. The men did not harm WMP's partner. Uh, uh, instead they provided help and protection. Later he found out that one had a dream that a white man was going to come with some Bible material and this man should follow him. William says, after studying God's word with WMP's partner, the men were baptized. Two of them are now pastors of churches in that region. The third man works with them in their printing presses and repairs bikes and things like that. This is uh, from World Missionary Press. And I've got another, uh, just from my reading of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's uh, The Gulag Archipelago, there was a story of this astronomer that was in uh, in the camps and he was kind of keeping his mind sane by thinking of uh, his work, you know, and he was just, just, you know, had done everything he possibly could, but he needed the, the raw figures, you know, the estimates of, of these physical calculations about, you know, if he's an astronomer and I think he was a physicist with regard, in that regard, needed the, you know, the data, what, what was the circumference of this and the actual numbers of the rotation and all the stuff that, you know, normally could just look up, but he didn't have it. And he said he he was just agonized over it because this was keeping him sane and he was he was doing really good work with it and you know discovering stuff or whatever, and he just prayed God please find some way to get me this figures or whatever. And that day, like uh, the librarian came by and they they would get like a book a um, a week or something like that, and they gave him a book that nobody would have guessed was even in the library of the thing this this astrophysics book, uh, and he immediately you know, was able to memorize the important figures or whatever, knowing that, 
you know, they would probably take that away. And sure enough, instead of give, letting him have it for a week, the, the inspector, you know, in the inspection saw it and said, wait a minute, aren't you an astronomer? You know, you can't have this. Uh, anyway, just goes to show you that the, the sweetness and the, the ways that God works in the, in those desperate times. And I just wanted to remind everybody that that is a thing and that is the God that we serve, but we often don't see it because we don't need him. A couple things here in photos, spectacular super pink moon dazzles the world and sets up the blood moon eclipse. So I've heard some Bible prophecy people waxing poetic about this. Uh, super blood moon, if you remember the blood moon craze, what was it, 2000? I don't remember. 2000, I want to say, I don't know when it was. 2014 or something like that. And I was watching my video that I did, which you can hardly find. It's so shadow banned. I had to like specifically track it down, but um, the blood moon theory debunked. Chris White, you can type that in. And and this, the same thing still stands here. Look, eclipses... No matter if there's four of them in a row or two of them in a row or just one super blood moon, the idea that they occur on Jewish feast days, first of all, is not in any way, I think it was in just the last hundred years, I think there's been like something like 40 or something uh, eclipses on Jewish feast days. And that's just because the Jewish calendar is based on the lunar cycle and they appear on the phases of the moon. So you've literally got and I think they appear on the 15th or, you know, whatever. The point is, is that it's not it's not anything that they appear on Jewish feast days. As I said in that video, what Mark Biltz and John Hagee did was like, okay, are, Jewish, are eclipses on Jewish feast days a thing? Oh, yeah, very much so. Oh, how about two within two years? Oh, yeah, also very, very common. How about three within two years? Also very, very, very common. How about four within two years? Uh, it's a little less common. Uh, but two of them actually make no sense to the theory. So let's not ever mention those tetrads. And then so let's focus in on these others that all happened like at, at a minimum 10 months to a year after the event that they were supposed to herald. And then definitely throughout the fact that eclipses are not what's talking about in the Bible. You can't say the Bible talks about eclipses all the time, lunar eclipses. No, it doesn't. It talks about the specific sign mentioned uh, in Joel who says, you know, the moon will become... Uh, as blood and the sun would become as dark as sackcloth. In Joel 2.31, he mentions that. But and then 10 verses earlier, he also mentions the things that are always mentioned in other places, which is the stars also go dim at the same time to herald the day of the Lord. Ezekiel says the same thing, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Earthquakes, Isaiah, same thing, sun, moon, stars, earthquakes. New Testament, all of the discourse, sun, moon, stars. Uh, 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 same thing with Revelation 6. So what's being described here is not a lunar eclipse. It could be a lunar eclipse, but what it really is, is some kind of universal darkness. Whatever it is has to block out the sun and the moon and the stars, which is not either a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse. I mean, I suppose it could be uh, a lunar eclipse and a solar eclipse at the same time. I don't know if that's even possible, but let's just say it is. And then something else happens to the stars as a third sort of corollary to that. And then an earthquake happens as a second, you know, it's much more likely that this event is the same event. Whatever it is that causes the earthquake is probably the same thing that blots out the sun, moon, and the stars. In other words, no, the Bible does not talk about lunar eclipses. And so to make a big deal about it is uh, is foolhardy, in my opinion. I, I, I should qualify that again and say it could be. And yes, the, 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 the celestial things are there for signs and seasons, etc., etc., but no, this talking about blood moons in relationship to Bible prophecy is missing the point uh, big time. 
UFO experts debunk Navy footage of mysterious uh, pyramid-shaped objects. Okay, so I talked about this last time, and I had not looked into this at that time. I, I knew that this story existed, which is why I mentioned the thing about aliens. And every time, and look, I, I'm okay and kind of even prefer to say that alien sightings are, you know, either demonic or, uh, uh, you know, U.S. military craft or, or some version of that. I'm ready at any given moment with those two explanations. Happy to give them. Happy, happy, happy to give them. But so far, and this is going back 15 years of podcasting, seeing these, you know, UFOs spotted or Life on Mars stories from CNN or over and over and over again, these sort of stories like this. And it never is a thing. You just look it up and you're like, oh, that's not the thing. And usually if you want to check it out, you can usually do that, type the thing in and hit the word debunked. Does, doesn't always work into everything, but debunked in relationship to UFO stuff does typically find whatever's out there that people are saying the other argument against. That doesn't mean anything. People debunk stuff and have bad debunkings, but typically with these things, you can find something that's like, oh, that obviously is it. And in this case, what's happening with this night vision thing is this thing that looks like a triangle, right? So a couple things in this video, this is from the New York Post. <clears throat> I think it is a interview maybe on uh, Fox News. I don't know. It's an interview of somebody. <clears throat> and they're talking about this thing. And I'll put this in the show notes. So it's a triangle, but it's, it's an out-of-focus image, first of all. You can tell all the other elements are out of focus, <clears throat> and also all the other elements are also triangles. And that's because when you go out of focus on a lens, and some irises, the way that the sort of iris closes on the shutter lens, it closes in a triangle fashion. So when you're out of focus and you have a triangle iris, which is a good number of cameras, uh, then you have out-of-focus little triangles. And the guy that's also pointing this out says, well, also the light pattern on this thing is the same odd sort of uh, random, seemingly randomish light pattern that is FAA standard. You know, it's it's also going the same speed that a plane in that area at that time goes, which you can tell by other elements in the thing. So you see these articles that are out there like, <clears throat> the Navy confirms this video is authentic. What are they doing? They're saying, yeah, some guy on a ship did film that thing and it's not a fake video, but it is on. And so that's a news story in the, in the conspiracy side of things. I know that a lot of us are just so willing to take it to the next level. It's like, I think that we have this almost defeated attitude or it is that we want it to, it's a part of our thing, you know, the, the, the deception of UFOs. The more, I look, I'm coming from a background of like, I had this as my main theory that the UFO deception was the way that the end times would go down. I now look back on that and say, it was basically all my own flesh and this sort of, this, this vision that I had concocted that was so divorced from the Bible that uh, that was just a good idea, a thing that, yes, would deceive the world, but that's just not what the Bible says. You know, the I believe that the great deception in the Bible in uh, first uh, or Second Thessalonians 2 is speaking of the resurrection of the Antichrist. It seems obvious that it is in context, um, which causes people to believe the lie. It's, it's the moment that he says that he has defeated death is a thing that is a delusion that God sends, by the way, not the devil, not anybody else. It's explicitly God that sends it so that people will believe a lie. Uh, so if you're going to do that with the UFO thing, you have to make that God doing it as well. But anyway, moving on, you can check that out. You can just go to YouTube, type in U.S. Navy footage of pyramid 
uh, UFO debunked, and you're going to see these videos. And he's got other points there as well. And I did want to mention this uh, Jason Colavito article real briefly. As I mentioned, Jason Colavito, who is a guy uh, that has written extensively about the ancient aliens debunking. He's just a very, I, I consider him a national treasure, but he, uh, he has written briefly on the idea about this UFO. He didn't really go into much about the pyramid Navy ships thing, but he did go into the idea that it was, you know, around a Navy ship that was nu nuclear, nuclear. <clears throat> I always get that wrong. And um, he goes through the history of it. And it is such a long detailed article. It's called flying saucers and the nuclear menace. And it goes just basically through the, the 40s and 50s and how nuclear uh, concepts and, and UFOs have been intertwined. And it's really just obviously demystifies the whole thing because it's just it's science fiction. You can follow the, the, the thread really easily. Okay, um, let's move on to kind of getting into geopolitics now. All right, um, with Israel news, not much to report. Again, I'm still not exactly sure what's normal and what's not here. Uh, Muslims continue nightly Ramadan riots in Jerusalem. So thousands of Muslims rioted at several locations in Jerusalem on Saturday night, a continued expression of religious violence during the Muslim month of Ramadan that the capital had been experiencing in recent days. I don't know if that's normal or not, just keeping an eye on it to see if anything develops. There was a huge story about a uh, stampede in Israel, some kind of ultra-Orthodox uh, festival, festival, a lot of people there, and they got trampled. Um, but I didn't see anything particularly relevant to our purposes there. But it has been a big story for Israel stuff uh, the last week. Here's an interesting one. It's not really, this is actually supposed to be read before the um, other, I got this in the, in the New World Order section. Secret May 2009 meeting of the Good Club Billionaire Club to bid to... Uh, and bid to curb overpopulation. This is a conspiracy I did not know about. Uh, and that's saying something. I feel like I, I started this journey something like 15 years ago, podcasting about conspiracy stuff. And I thought I knew them all, uh, but this one I did not. A uh, The Good Club, a billionaire club, which met in uh, with uh, David Rockefeller, Warren Buffett, George Soros, Ted, Turney, Ted Turner, Oprah Winfrey, and many more. And this was, this was reported along, I guess some kind of whistleblower was at the thing and they kind of heard the talk and were, were mentioning this and it wasn't denied. It seems to be a real thing, but uh, they were talking about overpopulation with these, you know, you got Bill Gates, who apparently, according to this 2009 story, which you can read the story back in 2009, it's interesting to read just based on what we know now. Uh, that everybody was really, you know, enthralled with Bill Gates's, you know, thing about overpopulation, and you know, you look at it now and you think, okay, well, that's not a, that's not great. That's not that's not a great guy to put in charge of your, uh, your, of saving the lives of of the world, <laughs> the guy who also wants the world to die. But anyway, check it out. It's called the Good Club May two thousand nine meeting of the Good Club Billionaire Club. Um, so, moving on. China launches spacecraft capable of clearing up space debris. I only mention this to to say this seems a whole lot like a military concept. Their idea is that they're just going to clean up space debris. You know, all the space junk. Oh, what wonderful. China is doing that. Yeah, China can also do take... They, this is a military thing, in my opinion, to be able to take out essentially defenseless satellites of other countries to go in there, get satellites off the board so that you can take over stuff that seems quite obvious uh and i've always wondered how they were going to figure that out uh and there you go they got a, a machine that 
basically does it. Uh, Turkey in the thaw in the Turkish Egyptian relations, the Turkey, the thaw in Turkish Egyptian relations could help end war in Libya. Uh, I only mentioned this because all of these guys, Turkey, Egypt, and Libya, are mentioned in Daniel 11 as part of the Wars of the Antichrist. As of yet, I'm not seeing anything about this. We'll read a little bit. The Turkish presidency spokesman so-and-so had said that the Turkish talks with Egypt next week could uh, forge renewed cooperation between the two estranged regional powers and help efforts to end the war in Libya. (laughs) An interview with Reuters Colleen confirmed that intelligence chiefs and foreign ministers of both countries have been in contact, and a Turkish diplomatic mission will visit Egypt in early May. Given the realities on the ground, I think it's in the interest of both countries and the region to normalize relations with Egypt, Colleen said. Um, Reproachment with Egypt will certainly help the security situation in Libya because we fully understand that Egypt has a long border with Libya and may sometimes pose a security threat for Egypt, he said. The Turkish official indicated that Turkey would discuss security in Libya with Egypt and other countries and support the UN-backed transitional government that took over the country. With regard to the Turkish presence in Libya, Kelly noted that the Turkish army officers would remain in Libya according to the agreement signed with the Libyan government, which paved the way for decisive Turkish intervention in support of the UN-backed government based in Tripoli. So, yeah, in Daniel 11, uh, it does seem some people see this as working in concert. I don't, you know, you have essentially, if we're just talking about countries instead of regions, for all intents and purposes, Turkey attacks the Antichrist. uh, Then Egypt attacks the Antichrist. The king of the north, I'm saying, is Turkey and a coalition of other sort of countries. But Turkey, for all intents and purposes, attacks uh, the Antichrist. The king of the south, which is Egypt, also attacks the Antichrist, both of which are defeated according to uh, my understanding of Daniel 11. Later on, Libya is mentioned as well as also following at, uh, you know, basically having been subservient. So you could make a case that these countries are aligned in the end times in that they both see reason to the attack the Antichrist. And I think that's interesting too, don't you? I mean, I feel like I don't know. I, I think that on the one hand, I, I believe that the Islamic uh, theology is their pawns. They, they've been set up to do this, to attack the Antichrist. They're, they are to understand anybody that does what the Antichrist is doing to be their version of the Antichrist, the Dajjal. We would think, well, that's a good thing. The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Well, not really. They're a setup. They are to to attack the Antichrist, to put the Antichrist on, on the defensive, to look like the good guy who then defeats this, uh, you know, horde of our, our great enemies, right? And then, of course, gets to look like this wonderful victor that has solved all the world's problems. Uh, so he wants it to look like, I think, the Gog-Magog war in Daniel 11. I think what you're seeing in Daniel 11 is a fake Gog-Magog war <coughs> uh, intentionally by the Antichrist. Okay, writers get four years, $12 million fine for arson in Minneapolis police. So this is talking about some Antifa person getting arrested or whatever. And here's what I wanted to say about this. And I, don't, and I haven't been doing a lot of these sort of political news stories or racism stuff. And I'm trying to keep out of anything that just obviously is, is just maddening. Um, but here's what I want to say about Antifa. I know a lot of you probably are frustrated like, hey, Antifa just gets to riot and go into capitals all the time and they don't even get prison sentences. I mean, 
And here's the thing. When communism hits, uh, yeah, we'll be the first in the camps, <clears throat> but they'll be second. There is no room in communism for these brainwashed people who think that whatever Antifa thinks, they are useful idiots that will immediately be in the camps right next to you. There is no room for them in, the, in this. In, there's no room for any dissent. In fact, the word dissent, dissenters in, in the Soviet Union were people originally that were basically pro Soviet, in the Soviet Union. They were dissenters only in the littlest, tiniest bit. They were like, hey, we're good. You know, we love Marx and we love Lenin and we love socialism. But can we do this just one little governmental thing, just a slightly bit different? No, to the camps with you. You are a dissenter. So dissenters weren't even like <coughs> radicals in any way, shape or form in the original, in the original idea, if I understand it right. Um, so my point is that just they're useful idiots too. There's no, there's no room for them in this place either. Uh, there's no room for anybody that is not just a drone in a communist system. Okay, moving on. Uh, U.S. investigating possible mysterious energy attack near the White House. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is from uh, CNN, uh, although it, by way of uh, Reddit World News. U.S. investigating possible mysterious directed energy attack near the White House. So there was this thing in Cuba that they're calling, uh, what do they call it? Multiple sources familiar with the matter tell CNN that while the Pentagon and other agencies probing the matter have reached no clear conclusion on what happened, the fact that such an attack might have taken place was so close to the White House is particularly alarming. Defense officials briefed lawmakers on the Senate and House Armed Services Committees on the matter earlier the month, including on the incident near the White House, that incident which occurred near the Ellipse, the large oval lawn on the south side of the White House, sickened one national security Council official, according to multiple current, uh, current and former U.S. officials and sources familiar with the matter. Those sickened reported similar symptoms to the CIA and State Department personnel impacted overseas, and officers quickly began to investigate the incident as possible Havana Syndrome attack. The name refers to, the, to an unexplained symptoms that U.S. personnel in Cuba began experiencing in late 2016, a varying set of complaints that included that includes ear popping, vertigo, pounding, headaches, and nausea, sometimes accompanied by uh, unidentified piercing directional noise. Rumors have long swirled around Washington about similar instance, instances within the United States, while recent episodes around Washington appear similar to the previous apparent attacks affecting diplomats. So this goes on to say this is a bureaucratic power play. Quote, I knew CIA, Department of, I knew CIA and Department of State were not taking this seriously, and we wanted to shame them into, into it by establishing our own task force. Chris Miller, who was acting defense secretary at the time, told CNN last week. So, you know, basically the CIA has been doing nothing about this. Defense Department said we should do something about it. I don't know anything about it or who's behind it or whatever. But my overarching point with this kind of stuff is that, you know, the, the technology is so good now and they have so many tools at their disposal for like crowd control or whatever. There's just, there's no real good way to stop this thing again, unless God wants to stop it, which is something I think that we should pray for. Two Myanmar air bases attacked amid anti-group protests reports. I only put this in here because I haven't really talked about Myanmar yet. Uh, just a brief thumbnail, which again, I learned this week. Myanmar is... Uh, from what I can tell, it is a, a coup happened recently where a, the military basically just took over the democratically elected uh, president 
and have been basically killing a lot of people. And I'm trying to figure out who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Basically, it seems pretty straightforward. The military is the bad guy. They really did uh, uh, take over in a coup uh, the democratically elected government. Lots of people are speaking out about it. It's kind of, of course, um, sickening to see these people who are total totalitarians condemning the the coup of, of Myanmar, but that's what's happening. Nothing too exciting other than, obviously, many atrocities going on, and that's bad news, but nothing that would really you know, make a difference in terms of what we're looking at here. Um, finally, just wanted to quickly mention the, uh, the Arizona audit is a very interesting thing. If you haven't been looking into that, uh, audit of the elections in Arizona seems to be going forward. It seems to be, um, doing it right. And the media is doing everything they can to sort of poison the well ahead of time and say, you know, it's going to be bad. And this company that's doing it is whatever. But I, I put this one here, which is a uh, democratic auditor and Bernie supporter. Arizona audit is the first real audit since election. They built a computer that they knew that they knew would cheat. Uh, and so anyway, he, he's got something to say there, but it's interesting stuff. You know, people talk about the, the ballots being, having the, the whatever you can scan, the ultraviolet scan. I'm not sure what to think about that. From what I can tell, it's just a image that could be anything. Uh, but who knows what's happening? I don't know enough about it, but that should be an interesting thing. And it probably would um, be one of these things that we could say, hey, there's proof of this. I don't know what comes next. but And then finally, I did mention this Christian pastor arrested in the UK for saying marriage is between a man and a woman. His quote is interesting. He says, I wasn't making any homophobic comments. I was just defining marriage as a relationship between a man and a woman. I was only saying that what the, what the Bible says. I wasn't wanting to hurt anyone or cause offense, says John Sherwood, who has, spent, has been a pastor for 35 years. I was doing what my job description says, which is to preach the gospel in open air as well as in a church building. Sherwood was arrested under the Public Order Act for using, quote, abusive or insulting words that cause, quote, harm to another person. That is... Uh, George Orwell right there. If you can get arrested for abusive or insulting words, and those words are that marriage between two men isn't a marriage, then we're UK guys. So it's UK and Canada that are basically already there. I'm, I'm, I don't know what will happen in America, but that's what we're going to wait and see. I don't want everybody to get so down on this. I know I'm trying to keep this. I know that it's overwhelming, especially some of the vaccine stuff, and I, I don't mean to increase your anxiety with all this. I'm specifically trying to keep news stories that keep my, that make my anxiety high out of it. And most of those don't have any relationship to anything that would have any relevance to Bible prophecy. Anyway, it would just, just be maddening. It's a kind of Ben Shapiro kind of format where you, that's me, by the way, um, <coughs> where you play clips of people saying things that are just wrong and lies and, and, and you're like, hey, that's a lie, or you know, that's injustice, or whatever. That kind of stuff that just makes you mad. I can't even listen to it anymore. So I'm trying to deliberately choose things that that are number one, extremely relevant and important, and hopefully not something that everybody else is talking about, and that I might have a, a different take on, but also, um, you know, uh, that's not too maddening. So 
Uh, sign up for the uh, newsletter. You can go to BibleProphecyTalk.com. You may already be signed up for it. I haven't sent out a newsletter and I don't know how long. Um, so you may already be on there. If you have a new email, it's a good thing to do. <clears throat> I'll probably send that out on Sunday. So you'll know for sure if you have it or not by then. Again, BibleProphecyTalk.com and I will see you next time. Bye.